welcome to our American Thoracic Society Pulmonary Rehabilitation Podcast. Today, we have two speakers who will be addressing, one, the current state of reimbursement for pulmonary rehabilitation in the United States, and secondly, we will have a speaker who will be addressing the question, what are the critical topics that should be included in a typical pulmonary rehabilitation patient curriculum. Our first speaker today is Chris Garvey. Chris is a nurse practitioner in pulmonary rehab and sleep disorders at the University of California, San Francisco. Chris's clinical and research focus includes exercise prescription, quality measures, oxygen provision, and technology-supported pulmonary rehabilitation. Chris will be addressing us today and letting us know more about the current state of rehabilitation reimbursement in the United States. Our second speaker is Sue LaRoe. Sue is a registered nurse and a long-standing member of the Pulmonary Rehabilitation Assembly. She has directed pulmonary rehab programs for over 30 years until her retirement clinically. She is now a senior instructor at the University of Colorado Denver and Schwitz Medical Campus, Aurora, Colorado, where she works with faculty on their publications. Sue will be addressing what are the critical topics that we should cover in a typical pulmonary rehabilitation patient curriculum. My name is Rebecca Crouch. I am assistant professor in the graduate program of physical therapy at Campbell University in North Carolina, and I am a clinician at Duke University Medical Center. We're going to start with Chris and ask Chris to answer a couple of questions. The first question, Chris, is what is the current state of reimbursement for pulmonary rehabilitation in the United States? Thank you. Thanks, Rebecca, and thanks, Sue, and thanks to ATS for hosting this podcast. The pulmonary rehabilitation um, reimbursement in the U.S. right now is creating challenges. I'd like to talk a little bit about. We know that pulmonary rehab is both effective and a cost savings intervention. Yet we have seen a decline in insurance payment and low utilization that's been creating barriers to effective care. In fact, a recent study found that only 3% of Medicare recipients with COPD receive pulmonary rehabilitation in the U.S. Pulmonary rehabilitation payment or reimbursement is lagged compared to other services, including cardiac rehab, which is paid at approximately $117 per hour versus that of pulmonary rehab, which is paid at about $56 per hour. Medicare pays approximately $229 for a PFT, approximately four times that of a pulmonary rehab one-hour session for COPD. Both the decline and the stagnation of pulmonary rehabilitation reimbursement in the U.S. is a complex issue. It's at least partially tied to a change in Medicare pulmonary rehab reimbursement from 2010, 
when Congress passed a bill that identified a new bundled code payment for pulmonary rehabilitation uh, described as G0424. This bundling refers to a new type of billing code that represents one hour of pulmonary rehabilitation and includes all of the costs, including the staff, the time at the medical director, the gym, all hospital overhead, and other related pulmonary rehabilitation costs, and has a minimum, sorry, maximum 72-visit lifetime for a patient. So initially, in 2010, Medicare arbitrarily established a payment rate of $50 per hour for one unit of G0424. Interestingly, Medicare publicly advised pulmonary rehabilitation providers that, quote, failure to carefully construct the charge of G0424 that reports a combination of services previously reported separately underrepresents the cost of providing the service described by G0424 and can have significant adverse impacts on future payment. A recent survey of hospital charges for pulmonary rehabilitations in the U.S. of over, over 1,300 U.S. hospitals found that low charges for G0424 bundled code persist, showing the majority of providers and hospitals have never updated their pulmonary rehabilitation charges to reflect the increase in time and resources used for the bundle code compared to the original model of billing that uh, is separate 15-minute increments for both exercise and education. And this process is directly tied to Medicare payment. Medicare uses a formula for pulmonary rehabilitation reimbursement that looks at the charges of pulmonary rehabilitation as well as the hospital cost report to calculate and update annual charges for pulmonary rehabilitation and the payment from Medicare. A very important context for setting the charge for G0424 is that most hospital charges are roughly five-fold greater than that actually paid by Medicare and other insurance. And this is a practice that should be carefully considered when looking at fair reimbursement for pulmonary rehab. So if if we if Medicare pays about $117 an hour for cardiac rehab, it means that the average charge is probably approximately $580. I hope that this provides some background as to why we currently have challenges with what is paid for pulmonary rehabilitation as a service, Rebecca. Thanks a lot, Chris. Yeah, that's a, a good explanation of the status of those charges here in the U.S. Um, <clears throat> my second question to you is, what can we as ATS members do at this point to improve that um, charge basis? That's a really good question, Rebecca. Um, the Pulmonary Rehabilitation Assembly leadership of ATS has determined that ATS members, not just pulmonary rehab assembly members, but members of many assemblies can actually help in improving this challenge and play a critical role in increasing both the funding and availability of pulmonary rehabilitation. So for those members who support pulmonary rehabilitation, most importantly, the physicians who have a key role 
both in supporting pulmonary rehab, but also in helping hospitals to provide services, are a key player in making this a more successful uh, strategy. So what we're asking is for them to talk to and meet with their hospital administrators and to help educate them about the benefits and value of pulmonary rehabilitation, both for the hospital's patients, but also for the hospital in general. The hospital's charge master, which is a comprehensive list of all billable items um, that are billed to the patient's insurance, need to be updated to include all of the resources used in a pulmonary rehabilitation program, including the gym and the physical space, the oxygen, the cost of the therapist, exercise equipment, educational materials, medical director time, and all overhead charges with an accurate total charge calculated. Hospital administrators can then set an appropriate charge rate for pulmonary rehabilitation. If this is done throughout the US, both the national average charge for pulmonary rehab and ultimately Medicare payment for GO424 will increase. If needed, there is a toolkit to help clinicians better prepare themselves for how this would work. That can be found at aacvpr.org, and the toolkit is called Pulmonary Rehabilitation Reimbursement Toolkit. The ATS Pulmonary Rehabilitation Assembly is asking our pulmonary medicine and lung disease community to bring these important concerns to hospital administrators. These administrators need to be made aware of the inequity regarding GO424 billing and the impact of undervalued charges on Medicare payment. It is also time for practitioners and scientists to partner with pulmonary rehab clinicians and administrators to determine if the hospital's charges for pulmonary rehab reasonably represent the complexity of the intervention, the acuity of the target population, and the value of the evidence-based intervention. So I hope I provided a few tools that may help clinicians to understand this challenge and some strategies that can help each individual program and the physicians involved in the hospital services, pulmonologists and clinicians to work with hospital administration to look at the charge rates and understand do they represent an amount that will result in adequate pulmonary rehabilitation reimbursement. Thanks so much, Chris, for um, discussing this complex topic and also giving us a couple of resources so that we can um, help to uh, solve this problem in, as an individual. Um, our next speaker is going to be Sue LaRoe. And Sue, we have a couple of questions for you. Our first question is, what critical topics should be included in a typical pulmonary rehabilitation patient curriculum? Well, thank you, Rebecca, and thank you, Chris, for always making this reimbursement issue much more clear uh, to those of us who uh, don't understand it well. Um, the critical topics is an interesting question because programs identify so many different topics as their core topics. For example, in a systematic review of the literature by Stolkova in 2013, 
Over 18 different topics were identified by programs as important. The six most common were breathing strategies, medications, exercise, stress management, smoking cessation, and exacerbations of COPD. We might ask, are these the best topics for our patients, though? Or should we consider what topics our patients feel a need to know? Learning theory would say topics must be relevant for the learner to achieve the best learning. What topics do patients feel are the most relevant? Well, in one focus group of 23 COPD patients from the United Kingdom, they were asked the topics they felt were important, and they universally selected a greater understanding of COPD, what caused it, how to treat it, and how it was diagnosed. You'll note this wasn't one of the top six that I previously mentioned. So what patients get and what they want may be different. Which brings us to the question, what do patients need for topics? Patients need a combination of what they want to learn and what is important information uh, for them to be better self-managers of their respiratory condition. For example, inhaler use for COPD patients is critically important due to the well-documented low rate of correct inhaler use. If you had a population of interstitial lung disease patients who are not on inhalers, this wouldn't be an appropriate topic to be bringing into the uh, rehab program. So the likelihood is therefore very high that all COPD patients need education on inhaler use, whether they've said they've had an inhaler for a long time or not. Uh, we're finding that they're not good users of inhalers. On the other hand, a newly diagnosed group of patients with, say, mild to moderate COPD without a known risk for an exacerbation may not benefit from a one-hour in-depth presentation on exacerbations. The information needs of someone who has never had an exacerbation are much different than those who have had one or who are at risk for an exacerbation. So what topics might you consider for your program? Each new educational group you work with will be different and therefore have different needs for information. So the topic selection might begin with who are your patients? What are their diagnoses? Are there any non-COPD patients in the group? How will you provide these patients with their need for education? Oxygen use. How many in the group are on oxygen? Is an in-depth class needed on oxygen? Smoking cessation. Often we'll find everyone talks about smoking cessation only to find out that most patients are non-smokers or are ex-smokers, and the information provided in such a venue is irrelevant to them. So we're not going to get their attention. So in summary of your question, Rebecca, I'd say pick your topic based on the composition of each class, identify critical and patient-desired topics for each group, that is, provide content that patients want to learn, balance with topics that are critical for them to learn, and then lastly, measure the success you had in your education program with an instrument, such as the Lung Information Questionnaire, the Bristol, or the Understanding COPD Questionnaire. In this way, you'll learn if you met your patient's needs. Thanks a lot, Sue. So it sounds like you're suggesting that we 
know our audience before we plan our lecture and then plan our lecture according to the needs that they have for learning. Okay, this second question that um, I wanted to ask was, what does the current literature indicate about the most effective teaching and learning techniques for pulmonary rehabilitation patients? Well, unfortunately, there are no guidelines for teaching learning in pulmonary rehabilitation. Understanding the educational component is still in its infancy. We recently published uh, in the Annals of ATS under Felicity Blackstock, beginning to explore education in pulmonary rehab. We can learn, however, what others have found are important in terms of the best teaching and learning strategies. Some fundamental issues we need to consider about our learners are, are there any barriers to their learning? Do some have hearing impairment? If so, they might not hear anything of what you say, or they might misinterpret what you said. Or are there motor control issues? This would have great implications for people trying to load complex inhalers. So look at the barriers to your group, and that doesn't include things like visual problems and cognitive issues which, as we know, would have a a tremendous information on retention. The other is, how do they best learn? People learn by different means. Some like to use visual cues uh, to help them learn, and so handouts with pictures are helpful, while others just want to sit and listen to presentations, and they can grasp that same information without needing the, the visual cues. And uh, thirdly, are they technologically savvy? If not, directing these people to the Internet for information may be nonproductive. Remember that although the Internet is a convenient resource for us as providers, the Internet is not the right vehicle for the education of all of our patients, whether they are young or old. Um, We have to think about their economic status, uh, educational level, uh, resources for Internet, things like that. Some presentation tips I might add are identify the objective of each class. What do you want the person to learn or the group to learn? Present content in a limited 15-minute block of time, and then give people time to share with each other so that there's peer-to-peer learning. Information retention is often more lasting than simply listening to a lecture when they can discuss it. In that way, we learn what patients know and can clarify what they might be confused about. Then connect the information to previous experiences. For example, exacerbations. What were the signs and symptoms they previously experienced with an exacerbation? Some bring up sputum, some bring up no sputum at all. Link this information to what they are likely to experience with future exacerbations. So to summarize, there's a huge gap in our understanding of the education component of pulmonary rehab. But know your learners who they are in each group, what information is critical information, and how they learn best. Pick your topics wisely. Make the topics relevant so they can assimilate the information more easily. Present information in blocks of time, 15-minute blocks, for example, so that there's time for discussion. The goal is not to hurry through a lecture, but for patients to begin to understand. Communicate with the exercise team for follow-up and reinforcement of the information. I don't think we think about this enough, 
but to pass on to the exercise team, this person needs to be talked more to about the, uh, the inhalers and demonstration. Would you please focus on this during the week or something like that? Measure that you're meeting a patient's needs with instruments designed for pulmonary rehab. And lastly, the knowledge we provide is only the first step in learning. Giving information isn't going to be the end all because that doesn't ensure that people are going to successfully apply it. They need reinforcement, which we can do in collaboration with our exercise team and uh, help them apply the information such as to prevent exacerbations or recognize early on exacerbations. So thanks for asking the question. I think it's an interesting area that even I feel um, a, a little bit as a novice at uh, in understanding. Thank you, Rebecca. Oh, you're very welcome, Sue. Thank you for um, helping us to understand this information and how we might better educate all of our patients who are attending pulmonary rehabilitation. This concludes our presentation today from Chris Garvey and Sue LaRoe on what is the current state of reimbursement for pulmonary rehab in the U.S. and what are the critical topics that should be included in a typical pulmonary rehab patient curriculum. Thank you.